1: Make sure to also subscribe to our new YouTube channel, also under the name Creative Principles. Melissa Miller-Constanza launched her career in the art department, working on projects like Precious, Rubicon, The Fighter, The Affair, and more recently Rebel in the Rye and If Bill Street Could Talk. In her directorial debut, All These Small Moments stars Molly Ringwald, Gemini Kirk, and Brendan Meyer. The story follows a teenage boy's infatuation with a woman that he sees on the bus, and it further complicates his already difficult adolescence. In this interview, the director discusses backup plans in the field, misconceptions about locations and the art department, being flexible as a director, getting a project off the ground, the problem with heavy titles, how to pace yourself, and what you learned from Barry Jenkins on the new film If Bill Street Could Talk.
0: always just you know I've always kind of been a writer but it's always kind of just been like mulling about in my brain when I was doing other things. Um, I was always interested in getting into entertainment I kind of when I was in college you know I never went to film school I, I was a dancer and so I was kind of focusing on that for a while but then, You know, I moved to New York, and everyone, you know, 10-year-olds could kick higher than me, and so I realized that was probably not the field that I was going to stay in, and uh, so then I just really liked entertainment, and, you know, it was back in the day before, you know, LinkedIn and everything, so I just started sending out my resume, and I, my first job out of college was um, being a receptionist at uh, the management company Three Arts Entertainment, which was really great and opened my eyes to a lot of things. And then I sort of like bounced around in the studio system and then started PAing, And then that kind of led me to uh, the art department where I, where, where I had been, you know, most of my sort of entertainment below the line career.
1: Did you kind of just go for it, like all in, or did you kind of have a backup plan? What was your, when did you know you were going to just stick with it no matter what?
0: You know, I've never had a backup plan, really. And, and what I found is that I've kind of been, you know, I've been able to make my first movie, but I've also kind of consistently have still been working because I, you know, because I have to work and I need health care and all that stuff. So, like, even though I was able to make my first feature, I'm, I'm still kind of in the backup plan at the same time, which I think is kind of common for people who are just, starting and only have like, you know, one movie under their belt, for example. So I'm glad that my plan B is still kind of in the field that I like. So I'm still able, you know, every job I'm on, I'm always learning something new, which is just going to help me on my next film. So I, I you know, I, I'm glad that I'm still, you know, obviously within the realm of, of what I do.
1: What were some of the uh, misconceptions you noticed when you got into the business? Like a lot of people, Uh, Probably when they get to college age and younger, they assume that, you know, every every film is exactly the way the director wants it and things like that. What were some things you noticed and what have you kind of learned as you've uh, gotten further and gotten behind the camera now?
0: I mean, I think one of the big ones is just, and it's funny, specifically for the art department, I think everyone just kind of assumes that we like stumbled upon this perfect location. And that's like very, very rarely the case, you know a lot of people have worked very hard to make it seem as if we have just stumbled upon this amazing perfect location so i think i think that's the first thing because when production design specifically is done well it's very hard to notice that it's been done well so i think that's maybe one, one of the biggest things and then i think as a director you just you have to be so flexible because what's in your mind it's never going to be 100% within your mind so if you can get at least you know 75 to 80% of like what's in your mind, then you have a very successful film on your hands. And I think you just have to be flexible along the way, and those happy accidents make your movie better, and every department and all the department heads that you work with make your movie better, and they, they bring suggestions. So if you don't listen, and you talk too much, and you don't listen to other people's ideas, then you're going to find yourself, I think, in a very lonely place, because these people just make your work, they just elevate your work.
1: Uh, so you've a lot of work in the past and, and kind of worn different hats in the business. How did this film come together? Where did the original idea for all these small moments come together?
0: This was something that I've been working on for a while, but, you know, sometimes as as a writer you're working in a vacuum, and if you don't have the right people to send your project to, it, it's hard to kind of get it off the ground. And, you know, I've been lucky I've made a lot of contacts along the way, but it just... it. On my own, it didn't seem like it was it was getting made. And so I kind of, like, put it away for a little while and kind of was, like, living my life. And, and then I was um, working on the first season of The Affair, and I kind of thought, like, oh, well, you know, I was working very, like, physically close to the writer's room, and so that was very enticing to me. And I, I decided to approach Sarah Treem to see if – who was the showrunner um, – if I might get an interview to be at the writer's assistant on the next season. So I thought that that could be like a realistic jump for me, you know, and so I, she asked me for a writing sample and I sent her this script and it got me an interview and she basically was like, you're too good to be the writer's assistant and I won't let you get me sandwiches, but I will, you know, I'd love to help you get an agent and whatever. So she was pretty, she, her and Anya Epstein, who was the head writer at the time, were very instrumental in, in helping me get to that next step. And then once I got to that next step, then, you know, there definitely was a whole world that opened up to me. And and from when the script started getting sending out, sent out, there was definitely an acceleration for getting the project made. And then it wasn't as... I wasn't doing all the heavy lifting myself, and from there it went pretty fast.
1: And was this the original title, and then kind of where did this story come from? Are these, are this part of this personal, or where did you kind of come up with these ideas?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think the original title, which is probably still floating around on IMDb. I mean, well, no, the original original title was something terrible like A Long Goodbye. It was really horrible. And then that turned into uh, an ode to Odessa, which... Still felt heavy-handed, and it was really hard actually to come up with a title. And I think I might have gotten it wrong. And I think that maybe it's called All the Small Things because everyone thinks it's the Blink One Eighty Two song. So maybe I did get it wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, so I just I, I do think at the end of the day the title is apropos to what what the film is about. Um, but it did go through many manifestations, and just the the genesis of it is I think I just. There was a lot of emotions, I think, that were inside of me that I wanted to explore from different facets of my life.
1: Um, well, I think it's a great title, The Small Moments, and it's, it's, it's kind of made up of those small moments. I love the scene, like the, the stoop scene, when they're having a little sail. That scene's like maybe a minute and a half long, and it feels like a complete arc to it. Just the, It's like sad and happy, and it's all so tight. How do you kind of come up with... Or how do you know when something like that is definitely gonna work in the film? Um and can you have too many moments like that in a movie like this?
0: I just there's something kind of the younger brothers always sort of like says what, you know, everyone else wants to say but he just doesn't have enough manners and so I sort of like that going into it, that it's a sensitive moment and it says a lot, but there's there's humor throughout and I think sometimes you need humor to deal with those um you know, heavier issues, and it's it's sad. There's a lot of sadness to that as well. It's like she's trying to move on, and her son's, like, not letting her and whatever. I mean, I think you don't really know until you're on set and you're, you know, we didn't have a lot of rehearsal or anything, so I think you just have to see what happens, and you have to adjust on the fly. If it's What I do know is you, I think you know when it's not working. I think that's what's evident, not necessarily how well it's working, but how it's not working, and then you just have to fix it.
1: When you're creating the character of Odessa, um, how did you kind of make sure that she was going to be deep enough on screen? Because, you know, sometimes when you're making a character like that that's so eccentric, they can almost feel like it's more fluff, and then we kind of discover who she is later. But how did you kind of start to un- like unravel her and layer her as a character?
0: Um, I think I needed to establish that she wasn't just some pretty face on the bus and that there there was something else going on behind the eyes, and I think that's why I had those those quiet moments initially, and especially the scene when she kind of starts to tear up and how he like, just... I think he's, like, in over his head at that point and doesn't know how to deal with it. But, you know, I just needed to show that there was something below the surface, not only just to give her an arc, but also to make her more believable, because you don't want the audience to just completely disconnect and say, like, why would this beautiful older woman be interested in this young kid? I mean, you, you know, you, you have to establish that, like... There's something broken there, and you find out later that there is and that she's, she's coming from such a vulnerable place that she allowed herself to go to a place that she probably shouldn't have and probably wouldn't have had her life not been kind of falling apart.
1: How much do you think about uh, creating misconceptions with characters? Like, for example, uh, the young girl character, Lindsay, there's a rumor about her in school that she has to come clean about. Odessa is kind of a mystery as well. How how important is it to, like, just kind of slowly open those characters up as the film continues?
0: I think what this script taught me is that I have a lot more to learn on my next one. So I think a lot of the stuff that came together here was coming from a place that, like, I I didn't read too many screenwriting books, and I didn't outline. Like, it all just kind of poured out, and, and I discovered that these things... Work, and I think what it helps me do is utilize the tools that ended up working so well this time, the next time, but in a more concise way manner if that makes sense like I think that the idea of misconception and, and layering your characters is such a great one and it, it I think it, it does take time to build those things out for whatever, for whatever reason whether it was the actors that brought it to the table or what have you like these and maybe because it was so personal I think that these characters came very easy to me um, but I think on my next You know, you can't keep rewriting the same thing, even though I think as as writers, you always do. They just manifest themselves in different ways. Uh, But I think the next time, I think I will consciously try to do it more because I think it's a useful tool.
1: As a viewer, it seemed like the the relationships between the main character and Odessa, then also with the parents, there was some aspects of, like, is this love or lust? And then defining different parts of love. How did you kind of, you know, how do you view the main theme of this movie, if you had to pick? one thing that you were always thinking about while writing it?
0: I mean, for me, like, I, you know, I'm the type of person who, you know, I, 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 I like the, I fall in love very easily. And then when, once I fall in love, I, and I have time to kind of think about it, like, I realize, like, oh, maybe that wasn't love. Maybe that was infatuation or maybe that was lust or maybe it was everything else but love. But the first jump is immediately to love. And so I think that's a really interesting aspect of, of people, like whether you you fall hard or it takes you a long time to get there. And I tend to think that when men fall in love, they like really fall in love because it might take them a little longer to get there. So I I just really liked exploring the different elements of that and sort of like what you think might be love, like kind of might not be, you know. <laughs>
1: I've just got uh, one or two more for you. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the film or any advice you wish you had before you started to direct the movie?
0: Um, I think for me, it's, it's very hard to to get caught up in all the noise, and especially on set, you're moving so fast, and there's so many people demanding your attention and your time that I I, I think it's okay to just say, wait, like, stop. Let's take a minute. Let's think about this. You know, you you don't have to make a movie with a gun to your head, and I think, you know, a lot of times you feel that way because of your budget constraints or you have a heart out of a, you know, of a location or whatever it is, but, like, you're going to make a shitty movie if you make a movie with a gun to your head. So, like, even though it feels like you have to be moving at this, like, unattainable pace, then it's okay to just, like stop and take a minute because at the end of the day you're the director you're responsible for what's on the screen and if it sucks like you might not get another chance so just when you do have the opportunity to make something like realize you know just take the time to do what you want and not let all those voices in your head kind of like muddle you I would say would be the best advice.
1: Thanks again. Um, I, I'm trying to arrange a, an interview with Barry Jenkins. I know you worked on If Bill Street Could Talk. Do you have any um, any stories from that movie, anything you might have learned uh, from Barry, or any questions I should possibly ask him if we can work that out?
0: Yeah, it's actually interesting because I just wrote an article for another website that does a series of, like, what I learned on, and I actually did what I learned on Beale Street. It's, like, directors who worked on other people's movies, you know, um, and it's basically, like, the thing about, first of all, he's a very, like, a genuinely nice person, which is something that you don't run into all the time. But what I found working for him and being around him is how much he actually listened and how much he took things in before he responded or before he gave his opinion. He really listened to the department Heads, like really, like I, I could like physically, I could see him listening. And I think that he, that's one of his great assets is that he really he really respects the people he hired to do the movie with him. and he he wants to know what they have to say because they're the experts in their field. And i I, I just found that a really wonderful thing to see, because I think a lot of directors just go into things gangbusters, but with him, I really saw him take the time to thoroughly take things in before. He made a move or before he made any
1: sort of decision thank you so much for tuning into the show before you leave don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course master the freelancer mindset this system will teach you exactly how to find clients online which includes step one the psychology of the mindset step two how to create a killer profile and step three how to find quality clients this online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.